We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Start for the win. It's good. Shevsky takes flight as SGA plays through the contact, banks it in on the foul. What is up and welcome to the uncontested podcast post-game edition. It is your boy, Jacob Niffin. I'm joined by Taylor Peterson tonight. Where were you the night Lou Dorp became a NBA superstar? Oh, I was uh, in section you were there. four. Yeah, I <laughs> luckily um, very much needed for me. Um, somebody offered me some lower bowl tickets and so much awesome. tonight and very awesome. Not much, much needed released for me with some personal life stuff. And so uh, Thunder play the Houston Rockets and win 101 to 89. Before we dive into this, I want to let you guys know that we are proudly a part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. We are also the official podcast of SI Thunder. Go check out all of SI's work. Um, Nick and Silva and all of them are doing wonderful, wonderful stuff over there. If you're joining the live stream tonight, thanks for hopping on. We got already got a handful of you guys in here, and we know we started a little late at 1030 tonight. So thank you guys for, for being here on the live stream. If you listen to the podcast version, hey, thanks for downloading our show. We really appreciate you. It would mean a ton if you would go subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from. Also, drop that five-star rating. It means a lot to us. It helps our podcast become more visible to more people. And, and right also, now, you get cool stickers. It's a exactly. win-win. <laughs> uh, take a screenshot of that five-star DM it to us on your social media platform of choice, and I will mail you out some uncontested stickers. We actually had one of our listeners from France, I believe, yep. uh, tweeted at us today. His stickers just made it all the way out to France. So We've sent like two different ones out, I think, to Australia. Um, yeah, one to Tasmania. Oh, yeah. We've got a handful of worldwide. them to Europe. So, yes. <laughs> That's awesome. Uncontested worldwide. Pretty, pretty awesome stuff. Well, Taylor... We don't want to bury the lead here. We need to talk about how uh, the Black Eye Thunder, who are <laughs> six and eight on the season, um, somehow won a game against the correct rebuilding uh, Houston Rockets, who are like one and 14. 
You mean uh, the, the correct rebuilding Houston Rockets who uh, played a closing losers of 14. Wait, is it 14 straight? I think it is. Yeah, because their, their only win was against the Thunder, mm-hmm. which you and I did uh, uh, did that post game as well. It was during our live podcast at Prairie. Uh, yes, it fun was. times. Time is a flat circle. And it's pretty fun to revisit this same post game you and I, or sorry, the same matchup uh, you and I now, what, three weeks, almost a month later. Mm-hmm. Um, and the Rockets threw out a closing lineup. Well, I, I guess a little before that, it was like four veterans and one rookie. Then they put Jalen Green back in the game. And still, they're playing uh, Tice. They're playing uh, Christian Wood. They're playing Tate. And um, goodness, it might have been. It still might have been for veterans and one rookie. Yeah, for such a yep. uh, solid draft, not looking great. Yeah. Um, oh, and rookie, Eric Gordon. Duh, that's who I was thinking. Yeah, rookie Alperen Shengun played like how many minutes tonight? Just a little bit in the second quarter. And that's uh, been a theme, uh, just from people. I some look there five are minutes. Some, believe it or not, there are some good uh, some good Houston follow. <laughs> follows uh, on Twitter and and they were pretty frustrated Jacob with the fact that you know Shangun has had some rookie struggles as all rookies do our mm-hmm. rookies have as well and Silas has decided that you know he, he doesn't like that and he's going to punish him for it by not playing him very much according to the tweets I was seeing from yeah. our Houston followers interestingly enough yeah so the national narrative just is continually infuriating uh, the Thunder mm. six and eight, uh, playing pretty decent basketball uh, with a very clear long term plan, and Houston literally just throwing the spaghetti at the wall to see what sticks. Uh, no plan, really, no offensive system. Um, just Their a bunch of garbage. Veterans are uh, hey, they got veterans? Christian Wood, yeah, they got Daniel veterans. They have hey, veterans we, who are looking for Daniel a contract or one out of Houston. <laughs> yeah. They're sitting John Wall, but that's not blasphemous like sitting Al Horford was. Anyways, I'm not going to bitch. I'm not going to bitch. We are burying the lead, Taylor. And that lead is um, that the second coming of Christ, Lugens Dort, uh, has once again shown out. Lou tonight goes for, I want to get the numbers correct, 34 points, 8 rebounds, 2 assists. He is a plus 17 he shot 36% from three. Yep. He shot 63% from the field, and he had 34 points on only four free throw attempts. James Harden could never. <laughs> James Harden wishes. Man, here's the thing about Lou. I mean, it, and first and foremost, five consecutive games of 20-plus points now. Um, and you look at some of those those teams that they played, obviously the last two were losses against the Miami Heat and the Brooklyn Nets. But regardless, this isn't a fluke. You know, we were talking about some of this in our Slack. Um, his finishing around the rim has been a big knock on him, specifically coming from us on this very mm-hmm. podcast over the past year and a half or so, maybe longer. And um, he certainly is improving in that regard. Obviously, the three-point shot is looking much better than it was there those first however many games of the season. And it, it looks legit. You know, I don't think, I, I don't mean to like, switch over to Shea here or transition into Shea, but I, I don't think it's a coincidence that when Shea is getting so much attention and Giddy for that matter, right? Um, the Thunder are such a good team at or being able to drive to the basket. They do that frequently. That opens up the floor for other players and Lou Dort is taking full advantage of that. And it's proving, I think now to opposing teams that they're going to have to step out there and garden, <laughs> guard yeah. him. 
And his ability to finish through contact, his ability to uh, have guys meet him at the rim and force the ball up over them, um, just impressive, impressive stuff. And Very. last year, Lugens started shooting the ball very, very good from three to start the season. And then he dipped really hard. So we'll see. It's a small sample size with the finishing. But Taylor, if the finishing is real, I mean, Lou is on his way to a, we, we've talked about it on, on our show a bit. He's on his way yeah. to a Mikhail Bridges four-year $90 million deal, if that's yeah, the case. Absolutely. You I, just I mentioned completely. his past five games. Over the past five, Lou is averaging 24.6 points a game on 59% field goals, 38% from three. I mean, that yeah, is like crazy. That is crazy efficient numbers, yep. you know? And a lot of it is just, we talked about it, I think a week ago or so. I think part of it is the game has simplified for him because his role now is catch and shoot or catch and attack. And there's not a whole lot of decision-making because he doesn't have to be a playmaker for others. Now, tonight, my man got a little saucy, dug down in that Louie bag, hit that double crossover midi pull-up in the third quarter, and I was like, oh, if Lou's got that going, he's feeling it. And he Um, was feeling it. Now, that's the thing, Jacob. Like, you know, last season, we got the Doherty 40, right? Uh, Tonight was his second consecutive game per Thunder PR uh, a regular season game, I should say, of 30-plus points. Um, that doesn't obviously include that game seven against the Houston Rockets back in the bubble. But I I kind of lost my train of thought there. There's something <laughs> I – what were we were talking about? What Lou, did you say? 40 points. Lou, 40 points. I don't I know where it. you're going. I'm sorry. It's okay. Dang it. It's okay. Anyways, <laughs> just incredible stuff from Lou. He still plays – Incredible defense. He guarded Jalen Green the entire night. His his play of the night was a Mike Muscala missed three in the fourth quarter that Lou came in and dunked all over Jalen Green on the putback slam. Oh, my gosh. Uh, You've mentioned this a little bit, but the the slimming of Lou Dort over the summer, uh, cutting down a little bit on weight, a little bit on bulk to get a little more agile, playing above the rim a little bit more, but still being strong enough to – I mean, how many times this year, Taylor, have we seen Lou go into the chest? I mean, game one, he went to the chest of Rudy Gobert and stuck that man into the fifth row. And then I mentioned Uh, this in my post game from Monday night. He did the same thing to P.J. Tucker. Also, I remember where where I was going with the Doherty 40. Uh, We saw some of those games last season, right? And it was absolutely improvement, but it was very – it was due to, like, streakiness. Um, When Lou's on like that, and like he was tonight, like you just see him – you see a whole new kind of aggressiveness on the offensive end of the floor from him. Um, but this season, and now again, five plus games of 20 plus points, or sorry, five straight games of, of 20 plus points. It, it doesn't seem as streaky as it did last season. And I think what I mean by that is like, for example, you mentioned the uh, the step back mid-range pull up that he had. He in his finishing around the rim. It's, it's much more sustainable, I think, this season. He's adding more to his offensive mm-hmm. bag, which is allowing him to be more versatile on the offensive end compared to, you know, like last season, the Doherty 40, that was largely due because he was very hot from outside yeah. uh, and hitting his three-point shots. Same thing for game seven of the NBA bubble against the Houston Rockets first round of the playoffs. He yeah, this isn't, this isn't I got hot shooting the ball. This is you can't sustainable stop offensive basketball. Right. 
And that's that's very, very exciting. That's where so, I was going with my thought that I yeah, lost her. I love it. I love it. Uh, <laughs> Lou has been great. We will see if it continues. We will see if it continues. Um, speaking of, let's transition. You you started a little bit ago, but let's do it. Uh, to Shea Gilgis-Alexander, who tonight had a uh, very inefficient game for Shea. Six of 18 from the field, only one of eight from three. Couldn't really get a bucket to go down. Although at the end of the first half, Three and a half minutes to go in the first half. He had zero points. And then he just kind of got in his bag and said, you know what? I'm going to go get mine. Jay Sean Tate, you can't really guard me. And went and scored a handful of buckets. Oh, I think Nine all exclusively. In the second quarter. I think all exclusively with his left hand, which was very impressive. Um, seven, or sorry, 15 points on 18 shots for Shea. Not great. But Taylor, seven rebounds, nine assists four steals and a block. I thought Shea really took a back seat in this game and let Dort do his thing. I thought Shea tried to play make a lot. Uh, and I thought tonight was probably Shea's best defensive performance of the season. He looked more engaged, especially after you and I talked about that uh, Sunday's Sunday night's uh, podcast that we did. And I mentioned it again as well. You know, you pointed it out to me uh, via Twitter and also in our Slack Monday night, when they're playing the Heat, Shea just he was very frustrated on the offensive end of the floor due to the the Heat's defense against him, and that led him to being very disengaged on the defensive end, uh, which was frustrating. And it was very good tonight to see him, for example, jumping into passing lanes, closing out on defenders, not letting defenders blow by him nearly as much. I don't want to say always um, for offensive rebounds, second chance points. Mm-hmm. I, I'm with you. It looked much I, better. I thought he. Me. I thought defensively he looked nice tonight. One thing I've noticed about Shea Taylor, and I mentioned if you've noticed this as well, it almost seems like he wants to play exclusively in isolation. Um, there were some plays tonight where I felt like Josh Giddy would get around a corner or Lou would get around a corner and kick out and Shea would catch and had the catch and shoot three, but decided not to fire it and held it for a second and then backed it out and wanted to isolate. I hope that trend stops. Uh, not that Shea shouldn't isolate because Shea is really good in ISO, but if he is getting the catching the ball off um, good offense and he's open, uh, I want to see more like catch and shoot Shea. I want to see more uh, Josh Giddy and somebody else are running a pick and roll and Shea sneaks backside for an easy layup type of stuff. Um, I, I feel like some of his inefficiency lately is coming from wanting to exclusively play isolation basketball. And so I hope that's something that that they kind of look at in film and, and can start to hammer out a little bit. I, I love that. I think you absolutely know that. I think that's the next step in his uh, development offensively, uh, kind of to take that step from borderline all-star into full-on all-star, you know, flirting with superstar status. We've seen him do that um, in streaks. I mentioned that with Lou Dort, right? But to your point, that's all, almost exclusively in isolation. Uh, obviously, he's an incredible I- isolation player. His stats rank up there with some of the very best. But in order to take that next step offensively, and also especially with this team, the way it's designed, it's, it's, it's not going to be easy for Shea to get his every single night. Just the way, again, this team is designed and built by Presti, kind of the goals of this season. He's going to have to do some of that. Uh, catch and shoot will expand his game, expand the floor. Defenses are going to have to respect him a little more uh, rather than just one-on-one um, on the perimeter. 
It's going to allow him to be able to drive to the rim a little more. And obviously cutting to the basket is just going to um, open up the paint for him where it's very, very packed. He has three to four players on him <laughs> yeah. anytime he drives, as well as Giddy for that matter. Yeah, defenses are definitely focusing in on him. Also, uh, I started smirking here on the live stream. Um, the Oklahoma City Thunder um, PR, the, their social team, I think has really stepped their game up. Uh, maybe yeah. best tweet they've ever had, Taylor. Uh, a video highlight of the Lou Dort put-back jam on Jalen Green that reads, I pledge allegiance to the, to the Dort. <laughs> Elite. That's amazing. Whoever made Not that deserves PR, a raise. Though. The, uh, the, oh, the official account, yeah, right? The, the, yeah, it's, yeah, it's someone on the social team uh, yeah. deserves a raise, for sure. That is awesome. Yo, they, they've for absolutely sure. stepped it up. Um, they cut my life into pieces. This is my last Lou Dort from last season. Golden. Just uh, uh, great stuff all around from the Thunder. So, team. hey, we're getting some awesome questions in the chat. You guys keep those coming. Taylor and I will hit them at the end. I promise. Scouts honor. Uh, we will hit them at the end. <laughs> Taylor, next guy for the Thunder I wanted to talk about. I want to talk about uh, just a few more players here. Uh, Josh Giddy, 14 field goal attempts tonight. 14 points. He was 7 of 14. Love it. Uh, 0 of 2 from 3. No free throw attempts. 11 rebounds, 2 assists. So he continues to hit the glass hard, which I think is a very important thing. I think it helps this team out a lot. Um, I think he's the leading rebounder for the season for this team, if I'm not mistaken. Let's I don't have see. that stat either, but I'm pretty certain. I'm looking well. it up right now. <laughs> Uh, he and Darius Baisley are tied at 6.9 oh. rebounds per game. Interesting. So hitting the glass very hard. Two assists tonight for Giddy. I felt like that was a misprint on the stat sheet because oh it felt like he playmade yes. so much. Which is just the story of the season so far for Giddy, uh, right? Like, I mean, shoot, it was, uh, I mentioned this again on my post game from Monday, Monday night's game against the Heat. Giddy had just another incredible pass to JRE, who's kind of become like one of his main, you know, in, in using a football term, you know, with a quarterback and wide receiver. One of Giddy's main targets has kind of his become JRE. Guy. And JRE was playing great. There's, right? there's and, some... and JRE meant a wide open layup after a yeah. beautiful uh, Giddy dime. Now, tonight, Jacob. That dime tonight was ridiculous. Oh, my goodness. That might Giddy, be his best pass top of the, of the season. Key. But, oh, one, Coming it, it off a drag screen with the left and just whips it around to it. I mean, might Between be his best like pass of the two, season. It might have been three defenders. And then also, I have to give it to JRE a fantastic catch <laughs> yeah, <laughs> to be able for to sure. manipulate his way and be able to finish at the rim. But man, that was just, uh, there's not very I'm, many players who can make that pass in this league. I'm going to say it. I'm going to say it. The, the giddy JRE two man game has a little Harden Collison to it. You, you, you are 100% onto something, but I am going to save these comments until we touch on JRE because I know it's the next player you have. Okay. But I don't think we should just stop on Giddy quite yet. No, no. Um, so, but <laughs> like I said, two assists tonight. I felt like he play made and created so much more. Uh, I also love that he was aggressive looking for his shot. He got to that little kind of half floater, half push shot uh, mm -hmm. in the lane very frequently tonight. He got to it out of like spin moves, he got to it out of isolation. Uh, I like that. Uh, I mentioned it to you like pre-pod, Taylor, and we've talked about this a lot. As he gets older and develops his body more, because like he looks pretty good physically right now. He's like, he's not a Poku. Yep. 
but he's going to, I mean, he's 19 years old. You're going to put on, he's gonna fill on muscle mass right. as, as you get older. And he has as a pretty he does, solid he will, frame, He will too. finish better. Yep. He'll be able to finish better at the rim around NBA bigs when he puts on more muscle. And just like, I mean, look at Shea Gilgis-Alexander, his rookie year, and how low and how slow he got that, that jumper off. And then look at how fast it is now, especially off the dribble. Giddy will make progress on that off the dribble three point pull up. And as he does, uh, he becomes more and more of an offensive threat. He's scratching the surface of his offensive capabilities. And I think as he becomes more of aggressor in, in scoring, it's going to open up his aggressor. passing even more. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> aggressive. I'm giving you a hard time. No, I, uh, as, as the, the king of mispronouncing things on this podcast, I had to, to take my turn at a, well, I think that word's interchangeable, right? Like he's being the aggressor. He's being the aggressor. Yeah. There yeah, you go. Yeah, I gotcha. I gotcha. Like I said, I, uh, I'm i typically the one to do that. So I had to point it out. No, I think you're exactly right. And also, Jacob, I, I don't mean this like as a knock against Giddy. Uh, in fact, it's more of a positive, I think, because he almost, you know, you could, you could see him testing the waters a little more uh, early mm-hmm. on in the game, knowing he was playing against a team like the Houston Rockets and not mm-hmm. the Brooklyn Nets. Or the Miami Heat, the long, versatile, um, super strong defensive teams, uh, both of those, right? And and you could kind of see him be a little more confident, I think, early on after he got a couple shots to fall. And that's where we see that efficiency of 7-14, only taking two three-point shots tonight compared to, I believe it was seven against Brooklyn and five against uh, Miami on Monday. I'd like him to take more. I'd like yeah, him no, to I, beat four. Again. I, I do too. But he didn't have to tonight because he's playing against mm-hmm. the Houston Rockets, and he yeah. is a smart enough player to recognize that. And so I thought that was a great to see from him. Also, this is a, a from the post game, and he he was a, a, a you know doing post game availability or whatever, and he mentioned you know the length you know he's mentioned in the past the length uh, and the speed of the game is different for him. He's trying to adjust to that, and he's doing a better job with that. But tonight he's he specifically mentioned how the NBL is a very aggressive, strong league league right and um the contact the the physicality of the game is not very different from the nba and i think that really says a lot you know that especially that he mentioned that because you know i think of monday night for example where he was making chickens out of something else (laughs) going down there uh, absorbing contact where most players especially most rookies would have turned the ball over he's able to still um find an open player and somehow get the ball out to them uh, he's able to use his physicality and be able to power through that, even as a rookie, to your point. Yeah. He still has room to grow there. And so I thought that was an interesting comment from him. He He's not afraid of the contact. Uh, he's not afraid of the physicality. And I, I think that's really important for him as he continues to grow. So you're right. I think that developing that outside shot, that mid-range, obviously the three-point shot, we talked a lot about that over the past week or so, that's going to be huge for his game. And I'm with you. It seems like he's just, like you can kind of see him learning. Yeah. Each well, game. and speaking of that, Post game, Coach Mark Dagnall mentioned that Giddy is starting to see how teams are defending him, and they're seeing it on film as well. And Coach said it's that, that they're like splitting gaps on him and not letting him get into creases, and that's the right way to defend him. But now Giddy is seeing that, and he's playing it differently instead of playing it laterally and stringing plays out yep. or playing at a consistent speed. He's playing that start and go game, and that's kind of what got him going to the basket tonight. And so it's 
basically Giddy came into the league and played really well and then got on the scouting report and teams started scouting. How do we stop this guy? And then he struggled for a few games and now come the, the counter punches from Giddy right. and the thunder on how do we attack Only what they're doing Fourteen games into the season. <laughs> yeah. And he's 19 years old. So that I mean, just tells you like IQ. the, the yeah. ability to process the game, see what's going on and make adjustments. Like that is a very, very special thing. I I've been very impressed. I, I, I don't know. The sky's the limit for this kid. He, he does Absolutely. a lot of things really, really well. Um, very excited. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, <laughs> I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shea Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f-ing best. Each week, Shea Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Dom- Dominic Toretto, I live my life a quarter mile at a time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina Wine Mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Before we move on, uh, Nate Sanders in the chat here did have a question. He says, what can fix Josh's kind of awkward drives that just don't go anywhere? You can't really work on athleticism. So is there anything else that could help? Taylor, I think the answer to this is footwork. Yeah. Right. You don't have to be. I think of Devin Booker a lot. Devin Booker is not the most athletic guy in the world, but his footwork is like absolutely elite. Right. And I think that type of thing uh, can can really help. It's a good example. And the other thing too is just what you mentioned that Coach Dignall mentioned in his post game availability to speed the game. Um, when the game continues to slow down for Giddy, Giddy continues to analyze that he's either going to make the right pass um, earlier. He, he he's not going to find himself in those situations mm-hmm. uh, quite as frequently. Definitely. Uh, two more guys I wanted to talk about. All right, I guess a couple. We're going to just lightly touch on a few here. Yep. Uh, Jeremiah Robinson Earl tonight. Jre. Yes. Eight points, nine rebounds, an assist, two steals, a block. Um, 
only three of nine from the field, zero of five from three. Whenever he finds more consistency offensively and stops smoking layups uh, and missing open threes, uh, I think that he's he's going to be really good. Uh, we were talking about him a little bit post game uh, before we got on here, Taylor. But I mentioned it two two weeks ago. I'm sticking to my guns. Like he is, I, I believe he's the Thunder's bench big man for the next eight to ten years. Absolutely. And so that you mentioned, uh, I, I love that you mentioned this earlier when we were talking about Josh Giddy, Jacob, because you mentioned the Giddy, um, Giddy JRE connection being similar to like that James Harden, Nick Collison connection early on. And Dignall, I was listening to the, the post game avail- availability and he was asked about JRE and Dignall mentioned that, you know, Nick Collison's in town. Cause you know, he kind of goes back and forth still a little bit, I think uh, back, back home to uh, Seattle and, uh, and, and still is around the team quite a bit. And so he was talking to Nick Collison about JR and, and Nick Collison asked him about JRE. And, you know, Dana was like, he honestly reminds me of a Nick Collison. He plays bigger than he is. Actually, let's see. I, I think I have this tweet that'll be better than me just trying to paraphrase. Um, oh, shoot. Yeah. Here, oh. <laughs> maybe, maybe I don't. Okay, here we go. Daydon mentions that he talked to Nick Collison about JRE. He uh, compared the two players, obviously, in terms of like their roles, like you were mentioning. But he also mentioned how JRE plays bigger than he actually is and how important that is on both ends of the floor, right? And being able to stretch the offense and uh, and being able to be like a stretch big, but also mm-hmm. still being able to compete on the defensive end of the floor at his size against bigger centers how important that is. And again, to your point, like that's just, that's exactly well, the role. And that not Nicholson even play did. against bigger centers, but just the versatility. Ver- <laughs> this is what I get for podcasting with Taylor. The versatility <laughs> defensively. I mean, right. His JRE's highlight of the year is that defensive possession on James Harden. And it's not close. Yep. You know? So, um, I don't know. I just continue to really like him. He started for, Four straight games? That's what, yep. That's the other is, thing I was going to mention as well. It is, seems like. Is this a permanent thing, Taylor? Do we have a starting five now? Very close to it. I think there will still be the occasional game where Dignant will throw in a favors or whatever for like five uh, minutes hey, in the I'm, first quarter. I'm just going to say it. But this Derek should be. Favors it. leaves a lot to be desired. Oh, 100%. Just not can't, great. You can't blame him, but he also doesn't. He I just, don't know. He cannot finish. That trade value is not going to be very, he, very they're, high. He, they're not, it's going to be a buyout. They can't trade him. Yeah. They can't trade him. Um, and the podcast on two kind of negatives here uh, before we take a few more questions from the chat. Um, I ragged on Darius Baisley like two and a half weeks ago. And then he strung together a string of very good games and I gave him props. And the seesaw continues. Um, I thought, Taylor, that he was very poor tonight. Three of 10 from the field, um, seven points, eight rebounds. But offensively, I thought he just tried to do way, way, way too much. He had some drives where it was just like, Mm -hmm. what are we doing? What are we doing? Joseph in the chat brings it up. um, And and Justin had, had mentioned it Sunday, but it's the Bays phase. Right? It's, it's the roller coaster. We're up and down, up and down. We had our peak. And now it feels like over the past few games, we're back down to the Valley again. This is the same conversation we've had for 24 months about Darius Baisley consistency. And we're not getting consistency. 
Yep. And we were there, like you like you mentioned, uh, during that four-game win streak especially, um, and even the couple games before that, you know, Baisley was playing much more in the system, which was important, and that led to some consistency. Um, obviously, Dagnall has mentioned that in terms of his player development specifically, the consistency being the biggest thing there. You know, Baisley keeps, I think he said, keeps finding new peaks, but just can't string games together. And I will say this, I mentioned this with, with Giddy kind of testing out the Houston Rockets defense, knowing they weren't quite as elite as the other two teams that they played previously earlier in the week. Unfortunately, Baisley did the same thing, thinking he could just pick them apart, drive when he wanted to, and he's just, he's not that kind of player as yeah. much as he wants to be. 100%. He's a system player, and it he's going to have to realize that. I also wanted to mention, last guy for the night, uh, I thought Trey Mann had a very good first half. I was very impressed, yeah, especially defensively. D- defensively, um, with his ability to, uh, especially on ball, move his feet yeah. and navigate screens. He I thought he a, played. Who was it? Was it Eric Gordon? He stripped a ball from. Mm-hmm. And he, got, he got a nice steal. He had a nice pull up three. I thought I he agree. looked really good. He was he was playing the kind of like, ooh, is. Maybe he's starting to put the pieces together a little bit here. Uh, unfortunately, in that third quarter, uh, just a casual catch the ball and turn to dribble it up yeah. the court and just rolled his ankle. There was nobody uh, that close right to in front, him. Right in front of where I was standing, just inadvertently yeah. just side, stepped on the side and it, it buckled. I mean, if you've ever played pickup, you've done that before. Um, so thoughts out to Trey. I hope he gets healthy and comes back soon uh, because I would love to watch him continue to play. I thought he looked really well tonight. Uh, and I, you know, I think he was kind of, about to start settling into that bench um, guard scorer role. And so I'd like to see him get back out there. Uh, you, never, you never know about, about ankle turns yep. though. Now um, he did. He seemed to get the Wiggins minutes tonight. I'll continue to mention that, like just watching that. Mm-hmm. They that keep flip flop. They flip flop exactly. them, those guys a few times. So we'll see if that continues as but well. But the one last thing I'll mention in terms of kind of that role, but this isn't necessarily a rookie, but the, these rookies are taking this player's playing time. And rightfully so, we have not seen Teo in what two weeks now? Yeah, almost a week and a half. And it feels justified. Exactly. Feels Which justified. is great to see. I I just quite honestly thought that the franchise and Dignall thought highly enough of him. Um, yeah, that we'd still see him some. So that's, that's um, been good. Before we get out of here, couple questions in the chat. If you guys have any more, please drop them in. Marcus asks. We seem like a thirty-one team if SGA Dort and Giddy continue playing and evolving. What is the draft strategy currently? It's a great question. Um, we'll see where the one totals line up. We'll see how the lottery balls fall. Um, but the Thunder have ammunition to to try to move up, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and I will continue to preach that I think their goal is to trade draft picks to move up in the draft. Um, if they end up at pick number six again, do they have ammo to go up to one or two to get Chet or to get Paulo? Um, I'm still real high on Chet. Uh, I like the kid from Auburn a lot. I haven't done much. Barry Smith. Oh my gosh. He had just this incredible play tonight where he took like maybe four steps from the half court line and was able to go and had some spin move, was able to finish around the back. Oh, it was amazing. Go to my Twitter feed. You can find it. (laughs) There you go. Um, (laughs) So the the draft strategy is going to be interesting moving forward. But again, their goal is to find their elite talent in the draft, Taylor. Right. And I think the other thing too, um, I, was, I was listening to one national NBA podcast today, and I can't remember because quite honestly, I listened to quite a few. <laughs> and um, one thing that they did mention was how much you know deeper the East is. And all these teams that we thought would kind of be bottom feeders of the East 
well, you only have like one or two true teams that are kind of going to going to be out of the playoffs in the East, right? The, the Magic and Detroit. Keeps, so a stronger... Keeps teams engaged longer. Exactly. Which I think helps out the Thunder in th- that regard. And also, I want to say this was actually a different NBA podcast I was listening to. But with this, I, again, it's very, very early. But let's say that this NBA draft in 2022 does not end up being quite as deep in terms of like the top prospects. Let's say it does end up being Jabari, uh, Jabari Smith, um, uh, Paulo, Paulo and, Chet. and Chet as like kind of your top three or whatever, where last year you pretty much had a consensus top five. I think that allows – there's going to be more teams who hypothetically um, win the lottery and are above the Thunder in the draft. The Thunder do end up at six, more willing to, uh, to trade with the Thunder. The Thunder would be able to move up and draft some of those players compared to this past draft. There was like four to five consensus, almost number one overall picks that those teams were not wanting to trade back for, right? Does does that make sense? 100%. Rod says, developmental strategy over draft strategy, not mutually exclusive. I love that. Hey, if you end up winning 30 games because Shea, Giddy, and Dort are that good, that's not a horrible problem to have. Those are your young guys, your, your building blocks that are putting things together and the reason the Thunder went out and acquired so many draft picks is to have the versatility to be able to maneuver even if the odds are not in their favor. Right? That's the, that's the whole point. It, yeah, it's money on. in the bank. So uh, if your investment didn't turn out, you still got money to fall back on to go and buy that house. Right? That That's the entire idea here. So, Or if you like your uh, house you already have, it's better than you thought. You can add on add, to that house. Yep, add, add some upgrades. <laughs> Put in those wood floors. Uh, Big Mike New Zealand says, oh my God, the Rockets safe space on Twitter are losing their mind. We might have to migrate over to Twitter. Taylor. Gotta love it. We might just have to do it. <laughs> awesome. Well, everybody, thank you for joining the uncontested post-game show tonight. We really appreciate you. As the Thunder defeat the Houston Rockets to go 6-8 and eight on the season, they beat Houston 101 to 89. We will be back with you again Friday night post game. I believe JD has that one after the Thunder take on the Milwaukee Bucks. So join him Friday night. And then we'll have another one Saturday after the Thunder take on the Boston Celtics. And then again Sunday for our weekly live stream at 9 p.m. Thank you guys for joining. If you're in the live stream tonight, we appreciate you. If you are listening to the podcast version of this, hey, shout out to you. Thanks so much. Make sure to drop that five-star rating. Send us a screenshot. We'll send you some uncontested stickers. You guys have a great Thursday, a great rest of your week. And as always, Thunder Up. We just got a new subscriber. Thanks, Sean Murphy. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done.